Welcome to the Business Tune-Up, the podcast that will help you find your business spark. You'll hear great stories, learn quick tips, tools, and ideas from two top-tier business coaches that each bring their own experiences and perspectives. Candice and Jim are both passionate about what they do and share the same goal to bring value, inspire, and help each client they work with reach their full potential. This podcast gives you business insights through genuine, authentic, and fun conversations. Here are Candice Eckstein and Jim Cummings. Hey, Jim. Hey, Candice. How's it going? It's going great. Awesome. Nice to see you. I know. Well, nice to see you. We should let our listeners know we're looking at each other through Zoom right now. And so hopefully the sound quality comes out clear and um, there's no challenges with virtually doing this, but this is the reality right now. And we'll look forward to the day when we can actually connect in person and, and do these podcasts live together. It's so much more fun when we can sit across a table with a microphone in front of us. Yeah. But right now we just, it is what it is. And, and this is what we have to do. So. Yeah, you bet. We adapt and we adjust, which is going to lend nicely to, to what we're talking about today. And so I know I'm super excited that we're recording podcast number two and really excited that the topic we're talking about today is, is about leadership and specifically about what being a successful leader looks like and how it can benefit businesses. Yeah, I am super excited about this too, because, I mean, when you think about it, what is entrepreneurship, if not leadership? In other words, in order to grow, you have to add staff. And to hire and inspire a great team, you naturally have to be a good leader. So what do you say we explore some of the characteristics that define great leader? In no particular order, take it away. I think, as you said, in no particular order, but fundamentally to me, one of the most important qualities for somebody to be defined as an exceptional leader is to have the ability and the willingness to listen and to learn. And listening is is a huge part of communication, which I know we're going to tackle, I think, a little bit later in the podcast. But Listening is about not waiting till somebody takes a breath so you can jump in. It's actually listening to what the person has to say. And there's this awesome Forbes magazine article back in the day from December of 2013, if you can believe it or not, but it's written on Nelson Mandela. And the article itself, if any of our listeners want to take a look or look it up, it's called um, A Leader Who Listened. And he's somebody that really comes to mind when I think of an exceptional leader that has such an amazing ability to listen. And I remember not specifically in this article, but hearing that he is somebody that no matter what meeting he goes to, um, he's always the last person to speak. He purposely lets everybody speak first. He'll clarify and ask questions if there's something that he doesn't understand. Otherwise, he will leave his opinion and his thoughts till the very end. So he's had an opportunity to really listen to what everybody else has to say. And I've really, you know, shortened um, up what, what some of the different research and articles on him says, but it's pretty profound. And so I think that, you know, being an exceptional leader means having that ability to listen. And Nelson Mandela is just an example that comes to mind on somebody that really utilizes that skill set. So listening skills are so important, as you say, in so many different facets of life and business. And uh, I'm doing a course right now. I'm, I'm teaching a course 
at Algonquin on professional selling. And of course, the shortest sales course ever taught or learned is four words, ask questions and listen. If more salespeople did that, they would be far better salespeople. But unfortunately, most salespeople get it backwards and they start talking before they're listening to what the customer's needs are. Yeah. And, and listening, you made a really good point, And that is that uh, there's different kinds of listening. You're not listening to respond. You're listening to understand. It's called yeah. active listening. And, you know, you talked about Mandela. Another person who comes to mind is Bill Clinton. Love him or hate him. He was a phenomenal listener. He, he had the, a way of working a room. You could, he walk into a room and you can imagine because he was president, you know, everyone in the room wants his attention. So they're all hovering and trying to reach out to shake his hand. But whomever he was speaking to at, a mo at that given moment had his 100% undivided attention. Mm -hmm. And he never took his eyes off that person. The, the, the powerful gaze was on them, no matter how much noise was around him. And that person for that moment felt incredibly special. And that's the power of listening. And that's what made him such a great leader. Yeah. And I think just to close off listening too, it's, it's not necessarily coming from a place of trying to be rude or have disregard for what the person's saying. Sometimes we interrupt because we are so passionate about whatever it is that the person is talking about. And we have so much that we think can add to the conversation. But at the end of the day, we're not really listening to what the person has to say if we're impulsively interrupting, even if it is coming from a place of respect. And so great leaders have that ability to listen, to learn, to then understand, and then the ability to make an informed decision or next steps based on what they've heard. Right. My thing is, I got to learn how to shut up. Well, you know, that was the next thing I was going to say, but better from you than me. <laughs> Kidding. Okay. So great leaders don't intimidate, they inspire. And, you know, have you ever had a bad boss, Candice? Yes, I have. Yeah. Oh, yes, I have. I think we've all had a bad boss. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people get thrown into leadership positions who aren't anywhere near qualified to be in those positions because they have none of the skills needed to deal with people. And uh, it, it shows so quickly their weaknesses. But poor leaders threaten their people with reprisals if they don't perform to their liking. A great leader shows people what they're capable of, helps them set goals, and gives them the tools to achieve those goals. So as a leader, I, I really feel you should avoid a top-down leadership style. That's really old school. You're not the boss. You're not you know, lording over people, you should favor more of a bottom-up style where you cultivate a fertile ground in which people can grow. So, you know, a quiet listener who provides all of the resources that people need to be the best that they can, that's the sign of a great leader. Yeah, and you know what, that actually, that lends really nicely into what I was about to say, and it's about actions speak louder than words. Right. And we've right. all heard that saying before, but what it comes down to in terms of leadership, it's about leading by example. It's about creating a picture for your team, your employees, your stakeholders, your, your clients. But it's really about creating that picture of what's possible 
right? And so you may not always realize it, but others are paying attention to your words and your actions as a leader. They're always watching you. And so to have the greatest impact, you want to model the attitudes and behaviors that you want to see in your teams and employees. So again, it's about walking the walk. It's about talking the talk. And people will learn about your character, your work ethic, your determination, and they'll want to improve so much more by watching what you do and modeling what you want to do. So you'll be much more um, impactful as a leader, I think, Jim, if you act the way you want other people within your organization to act. They're going to respond with those uh, same intentions, right? Those same attributes, those same behaviors that they're seeing you modeled. I, I think there's absolutely no question that you're absolutely right. In fact, I think great leaders help create other great leaders, right? Yeah. They're, they're not threatened by people who have leadership qualities. So in other words, a great leader is a good coach. Right. So, you know, even star players on your team sometimes need, need help. Sometimes they need help. So a, a coach, a really good leader, a good coach, will help them see things in a different light and perhaps help them move on from their obstacles. Um, I had a, a sales rep once who, um, she was, you know, she was young. She, in fact, she'd never been in sales before, but I hired her because I saw great potential. And she, after probably a couple of months, it was early on in her career, she was very frustrated. She didn't feel she was achieving success fast enough and she was in tears in my office because she didn't, she wasn't meeting her goals. Mm -hmm. And what I tried to express to her, and I, I created an, an analogy by uh, putting my hands in front of me, sort of in little cups, like, like shoes almost on the desk. And I walked my hands across the desk towards her. And every time I came to an obstacle, like a mug or a pen, I would gently push the pen out of the way or push the mug to the other side and keep moving forward to demonstrate to her that success is, is not about, uh, you know, ramming into your obstacles with all your force. It's about very gently moving the obstacles to the side and continuing on your determined path. And the, the only reason I tell that story is because years later, she turned out to be my top sales rep. And years later, she told me that that stupid, simple little march my hands towards her on the desk stayed with her. And every time she got into trouble and got frustrated, she reminded herself that she just had to stay the course, be patient, and things would happen. Yeah, you know what? It's a, it's a great example. And I think most of us kind of can place a person like that at some point within our teams, within our organizations and reference something like that. So that, that was a great story to share. And so if you're okay with it, I'd love to introduce another skill that I think is really important that leaders possess. And I don't know that you can be an effective leader if you don't have flexibility. And so flexible leaders to me have the ability to change their plans and to be able to match the reality of the situation. And I think this past year, the past year and a half oh, with COVID, boy. talk yeah. about having to be flexible, right? Having to be adaptable and having to pivot and, and, and change, you know, from one path to another path. And so leaders who are flexible 
have the competency to embrace change. They're often open to new ideas and they can work with a wide spectrum of people. And so how important is that, right? Everybody within your organization is likely different. People learn differently. They communicate differently. They've got different you know, backgrounds. They come with different experiences. And right. so flexibility is, is going to be able to um, help you, right? When, when you're leading an organization of all different people and flexible leaders can also modify their style or, or approach in response to uncertain or unpredictable times. And so I think, Jim, that ultimately flexible leaders are people that are adaptable, like we said, and especially when emotions are heightened, right? It's, it's easy to be oh, flexible yeah. when everything's kind of going your way, but you know, when that acquisition is not going the way that you want it to go, or you've got conflict within your organization and your emotions are, are heightened, to have the ability to stay flexible is not always easy. Right? So great leaders have that ability. And, and think of the skill that that takes to, to be able to adapt your approach to the yeah. situation and the person. So many people are basically one trick ponies. In other words, you know, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And they, they take the same approach to leadership and management. In other words, it worked once, so it's going to work for everybody, which just is not true. No. So, but it really takes some skill to, to have that kind of flexibility and to identify personality styles, communication styles, and reach people by uh, adapting and flexing your own communication style to, to, uh, to mesh and fit with theirs. Yeah, and you know what? It's just, it's one of those things that it is a learned skill, but a lot of people are a lot more comfortable taking a more structured approach and seeing things from a very black or white perspective. Not everybody has the same comfort to sort of play in the gray area or having the ability to sort of go back and forth. As you said, if it was a hammer, now there's a nail, yeah. right? But if there was a, a hammer, could there not be, you know, different types of nails or, but really it's, it's about being linear in the way you think about things, being more structured or being able to be a little bit more innovative, insightful and creative. Yeah. And it comes more naturally to some people than others, right? right? So yes, you have to be flexible, but I also think that you have to be consistent. Mm -hmm. So a good leader is a consistent leader. So the rules of the game can't be constantly changing for people. People need to know what's expected of them. And they have to know what's going to happen if they stray off the path, right? Yeah. Part of, of being consistent is also being trustworthy, right? Oh, and for sure. Yeah. Building trust is, is an attribute um, of a great leader. And, and being able to be trustworthy is something that's immensely important as a leadership skill, like period. And so being able to be dependable and, and doing what you say you're going to do is some way to build trust. But how are some other ways that leaders can be trust, build trust with their teams? And so I would say being open and honest, right, as a starting point, certainly when you know that there's going to be changes coming um, that are going to impact employees or your teams, being transparent when appropriate, obviously. Right. Another way to build trust is effectively communicating by talking to them, not talking at them. That's a huge right. difference. 
And following up on commitments, that's also key, right? That's another element. Um, Keeping your word, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly. And really just creating an overall workplace that's both credible and respectful, right? That's also going to show your trustworthiness and, and build trust among the rest of your organization. Right. I think most people would agree that all good relationships are built on two things, trust and respect. Mm-hmm. And that is true of leaders that, you know, there's that old uh, trope, is it better to be feared or better to be respected, right? Or mm-hmm. admired. I'm not sure which one it is. But anyway, uh, you, people should never fear you. None of, none of your staff should ever fear you. They should respect you. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. respect is something you've earned. And guess what? Trust is something that's earned. And the thing about trust that is so dangerous is that it is incredibly fragile. Uh, yeah. Trust is so easily lost and destroyed and so almost virtually impossible to regain. I was thinking, honestly, the exact same thing as you, that how fragile trust is when it's broken mm. and to try and rebuild it, it can be lost and broken in a minute, in instance, and to rebuild that can take a lifetime, right? Or, or it is not rebuilt. What else is another really important uh, skill to be? Well, so like it or not, leaders, leaders have to be strong in the face of adversity. So good leaders don't sway when the wind blows. And, you know, sometimes it means concealing our own fears. I mean, we might be scared out of our wits, but it's of no good if the rest of your team senses it. They want to look to you for guidance. And, they, you know, that's when you need to show strength and to take action. And that, that's one of the hardest things because you're a human being and you're feeling what they're feeling. but. When everyone's panicking, you have to be the one who's the calm, steady hand at the helm in the storm. I agree with you. Adversity is an important, not only leadership skill, but as a human being, it's hugely important to be able to, to deal with adversity and, and to be resilient. Well, so, you know, what's really interesting is that we were talking about this uh, before we started recording, and that is that. Parents have to learn, necessarily have to learn great leadership skills, don't they? Yeah. And, and that's one, that's a big one. When the kids are, you know, they're afraid of the thunder and, you know, they're running into your room and diving under your covers with you. You're the one who has to be calm. And even though you might be a little afraid of the thunder mm-hmm. yourself, you have to show them that everything's going to be okay. And that's what good leaders do. So tell me a little bit about honesty, because I know that really does correlate to building trust. It also, you know, has a lot to do with a number of the other skills that we talked about. But talk to me a bit about why is it so important to be an honest leader? Well, so, okay, you're right. It speaks directly to trust, because if people sense people have a nose for this kind of thing, and if they sense that you're you know, that there's a little bit of BS around you, the trust disappears immediately for a bunch of reasons. It shows incompetency or it shows weak character. I mean, I I always tell all of my people, there's no shame in saying, you know, I don't know the answer to that, but if it's important, I will find out for you. That's Mm -hmm. the right answer when you don't know what to say. 
So honesty is so important. Being honest with oneself, not only with others too. You have to, you have to know what your own shortcomings are, knowing what your capabilities are and what your capabilities aren't and seeking out the help of others when you need to. Yeah. You know what? And, and I love that you touched on that because I think being an effective leader means that you have a great understanding, which is where the honesty part comes in, right? You're really, you've got this honesty and self-regard of yourself where you know unequivocally where your strengths are, where your opportunities are, you know, where the pain points or the gaps within your organization are, who to go to for expert advice in this field or that field, but really just having an understanding of, of where some of your shortcomings are. Right. And then being able to leverage your strengths also to be in as, as an effective leader as possible. So I think kind of going with that is there's an interesting question. And, and I know I've had this friendly debate a couple of times with people, but can you be a compassionate and empathetic leader and still be an effective leader? Oh, yeah. Right. And I, I would argue on the side of yes, absolutely. I think that I, I think I know what the answer to that question is. And I totally agree with you, of course. Right. But it's amazing how there's definitely lots of healthy debates around this anyways. But from my perspective, I would say that you're actually a better, a stronger leader by having those attributes. I think that understanding and appreciating how another person feels and having a genuine curiosity about your team, about your employees is only going to help forge, make more, you know, authentic interpersonal relationships with, with your team. Right. And so that's not to be mistaken with being too passive, with being a pushover, with being indecisive. not a sign of weakness at all. Compassion is not a sign of weakness. I agree. Yeah, right. And so I think it's, you know, when we talk about compassion, because it is an emotion, it's talking about emotions in general. And it's all it's because we're human beings, it's hard at times for all of us, never mind when you're in a leadership role to control your emotions. And so how do we make decisions when our emotions are heightened? How do we problem solve when our emotions are heightened? You know, how do we act not too impulsively or assertively when our emotions are heightened? And these are all all things that, you know, any of us deal with. But certainly when you're in a leadership role and sometimes you've got to make very quick decisions and you don't have the luxury of time to gather all the facts, you have to be able to use reality testing and make very critical decisions at times quickly and not let your emotions come into play. And so I think by being in a compassionate and empathetic leader will help you during times like that. So what do you this think? Is, this is something that you know a lot about that uh, I'm only just been recently introduced to, and that's the whole concept of emotional intelligence. And does that apply here in, in leadership? A hundred percent. Gosh, this is where I have to think, okay, how can I say this in 60 seconds or less? Because this is, okay, do we have four hours to talk about this? And, and I'm definitely looking forward at some point to doing a podcast on emotional intelligence um, and, and specifically leadership. But for now, emotional intelligence plays a huge part in leadership, um, understanding how our emotions impact the decisions that we make and understanding how our emotions impact the decisions 
for other people as well. So emotional intelligence is part about us and it's part about the rest of the people in our social or professional network. In terms of leadership, though, through the lens of emotional intelligence, we look at it through four types of leadership. And so that's an insightful leader, an authentic leader, an innovative leader, and a coaching leader. And each type of that leadership style have very specific attributes and behaviors that lend to each one of those leadership styles. And it's important that each leader knows what type of leader they are. So they're really leveraging those strengths to be as effective as possible. So you're right. Maybe we should do a whole podcast on this and you can teach me since I'm a newbie to the whole concept of emotional intelligence. But I, from what little I know and what, what little you've taught me, I can see the importance of it in business. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just because it, it's about understanding and dealing with people, it's, right. which is what you know, leadership is all about. Can I add one thing about controlling your emotions? You bet. That, you know, uh, <clears throat> full disclosure, I was not a great leader when I was starting out in my business career. I was what you would call passive aggressive. And, and let me explain what, what I mean by that. My big flaw was that I didn't deal with employee issues when they came up immediately. I don't know whether it was because I was a little bit introverted uh, or maybe I just didn't like conflict. And so when somebody would, do, would behave in a manner that I didn't like, I, I'd keep my mouth shut and I would say to myself, oh, well, maybe she won't do it again. Or, you know, maybe this is just a one-time thing and it'll go away or I don't know. And then it would happen again. And then it would happen again. And then it would happen again. And then the straw would break the camel's back and I would blow up. So let's, let's look at this from my point of view, okay? She hit me, she hit me, she hit me, she hit me, she hit me. And I got angry after all those hits, mm-hmm. okay? Now let's look at it from her point of view. He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And all of a sudden, he's a fire-breathing dragon. (laughs) How how do people? So I lost really good people because of that. That and you know how terrible a management style is that? How how do people deal with that when they never know when I'm going to blow up? But from my point of view, I was justified in blowing up. It wasn't the first time, right? But that was my fault, not theirs. And so that's why I'm bringing it up as a leadership skill and something that you can learn. I'm definitely learning lots from you. So I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, listen, we're getting down to uh, towards the end here. I think we should talk about ethics. Yeah, Uh, huge. You know, this is one of those things, do the right thing, right? So behaving ethically and doing the right thing is critical in leadership. So imagine the culture you create when you demonstrate that your ethical compass is broken. The old adage, there's no honor amongst thieves, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a thief, don't be surprised when your people steal from you. So this speaks to culture. And Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I've worked for people when I was a young man early in my career who uh, were their ethical compass was definitely not pointed straight north. And I, I actually quit a job because I was asked to do something that was borderline illegal. And I knew in my heart and soul that this was a, a, the wrong thing to do. Um, but 
you know, it was about money and he didn't want to spend the money and he wanted to find a way to wiggle out of a situation that was his responsibility. Mm. Now, sometimes you can learn the best leadership skills from the worst leader. <laughs> In other words, you don't want to behave like that, right? I don't know. For me, the best leaders are humble leaders. It is about yeah. humility, right? Yeah, uh, you bet. Really great leaders. If they do have an ego, they don't display it. It's not on display for everybody to see. Few, few people that I know of respond well to a big, hungry ego. My advice is leave yours at the door. The best leaders purvey an aura of humility without compromising confidence. So it's not about being weak. It's, no, it's about, about being humble and knowing that you always have an open mind and you're always open to new ideas and to learning new things. And that you may not be right in any given situation. And so many of these things tie together because that comes back to listening to other people, right? And, yeah. and bringing in other views. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's about the team and it's about yeah. the company. It's it, when making every decision, you need to ask yourself, is this right for the company? I think we've touched on a, a number of really important skills. I love that you brought up humility though, because I think it is just a core attribute mm. um, that, that everyone really should possess. And specifically as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a leader of an organization, to be able to promote your team and to promote your employees and recognize that you're only as successful as the people that you've surrounded yourself with. Mm -hmm. And there is no I in team, right? And leaders that don't recognize that point or take all of the credit um, are not effective leaders. They're Absolutely. not leaders that are respected. Yeah. So I love that you brought that up. The last one um, before I, I give you the last word is I wanted to talk about communication. And again, that is such a, a, a monster of a topic and maybe something again, that we'll spend an entire podcast really diving deep into. But in terms of leadership, it's not only important, it's actually critical. And good communication is a core leadership function. If you cannot communicate effectively throughout your entire organization, your business will not be successful. Being able to communicate with your team, with your employees, with your stakeholders, your vendors, your suppliers, your clients is a key critical component of having a successful business. And so when we say, how do you effectively communicate? What does that even mean? And what does that look like? And it's not so much, Jim, you know, what we say, of course it is about, you know, the message we're saying, but it's more about how the other person is receiving that information, whether it's verbally coming out of our mouths, if it's our body language. So if I, you know, I'm rolling my eyes at you, I'm clearly giving you a message or if I'm sitting through the Zoom with my hands firmly crossed and, you know, very tight and, and stern, that's going to give you a message. If I'm sending you an email and it's all in caps, that's going to give you a message as well. Right. So that's it's bad form. <laughs> right. You know, and sometimes we could, um, our employee could send us a quick question and we've got a million things on the fly. And in our mind, we just want to get them the answer. So we send a very quick, short email because we just want to give them the answer and we don't want them to think that it's not important or we're ignoring them. 
However, the person receives that email not realizing that you've got a million things on the go, and they just get this really short, quick email and will perceive it in a completely different way. And so we do have to be cognizant that communication is largely about listening that we already talked about. It's, it's also how the person is, is receiving the information and also recognizing that not everybody communicates in the same way. And one of the wonderful things about the workforce and, and business world today is there's so many different uh, generations of people that work in the workforce and how we communicate to the different generations can't all be the same. How the different generations, you know, receive information, learn, communicate, adapt to change are going to all be different. And so we have to be able to be adaptable and flexible and all of these other beautiful things that we talked about today to adjust to the different employees. We might have employees in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. We have to recognize the differences there too. So I would say that communication has a part in everything that we've we've talked about today, um, but really is a critical, critical skill to being an effective leader. Something that comes to mind is that uh, the message is always more important to the receiver than it is to the sender. Mm. You know, leaders need to know that their words are very powerful. Mm. And sometimes something you will, you will, say in almost in passing will strike a note and will resonate with someone and they will remember that for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. and leaders need to know that the, the power of their words and they should yeah. choose their words carefully yeah yeah you're absolutely bang on i i think just as people in general words are pretty powerful and they've got the ability to do a lot of harm or a lot of good the last point that I want to make is that a good leader is decisive and action oriented. So a good leader will not waffle on decisions and they will take action when it's necessary. You know, sometimes a leader needs to step in and make decisions that not everyone likes. When teams are working together to solve problems, sometimes they meet a stalemate and they mm-hmm. can't move forward. And a good leader knows when they need to break the tie. You should never strive for consensus. Consensus leads to groupthink and inferior decisions. You're too young, but you remember hearing about the Challenger disaster? Mm-mm. Yeah, that the, the Challenger space shuttle that blew up in 1986. Mm. And uh, they spent years analyzing what caused that disaster, what caused mm-hmm. it to explode. And the final determination was it came down to groupthink that very poor decisions were made because they strove for consensus and they weren't listening to the voices that were saying, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. This is wrong. And somebody needed to step in and say, whoa, but the leadership wasn't there and they didn't do it. So action orientation and decisiveness, never consensus. Yeah, and I think that brings up a great point because a leader has to have the ability to be able to be decisive, make quick decisions, and, and not be swayed by maybe the popular decision. There's also going to be times where a leader needs to recognize when there is benefit to collaboration, talking to the team, getting the team engaged, and recognizing when the different situations require both styles to take place, right? That's all I got, Candice. That's it for leadership. 
That's it. Well, you know what? We certainly covered a number of of different skills that we certainly feel are important to cultivating an effective leader. And so I think that there's hopefully some tools that people can take away from today and, and really reflect on the type of leadership style that they are. And are there opportunities to develop in some of the areas that we talked about today and hone in on some of those you know, areas to be a more effective leader, either themselves or recognizing that leaders within their organizations, as they move up, you know, and and work on their own development and career growth, how can, you know, the CEOs help the vice presidents and the vice presidents help the directors and so on and support each other in in, um, developing their leadership skills? Yeah, and I think some leaders are born and other leaders, like the rest of us, have to learn the skills. A lot of these skills are learned skills and they, you get better at them with practice. So hopefully our listeners will be able to take some of the ideas that we brought up today and practice them and become better leaders. Yeah, well said. Well, that's it. I'm Jim. And I'm Candice. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Business Tune-Up. Thanks for listening to the Business Tune-Up podcast with Candice and Jim. Got a question about something you heard today? Want to learn more? Connect with Candice or Jim through LinkedIn and send them a message. Thanks for listening. And until next time on the Business Tune-Up, continue to find your spark.